Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Traina. Thanks so much for listening. A uh, little sports media news potpourri today with John O'Ran of Sports Business Journal. So uh, if you're into the sports media news, we cover the NFL television negotiations, The Rock buying the XFL, uh, Super Agent Nick Khan leaving CAA for WWE, Spotify, podcasts, what's going on with that, and uh, sports in the pandemic, basically. So we get into a whole bunch of sports media, sports business things over the course of the next 30 minutes or so uh, and cover many topics. Before we get to it, let me just remind you, if you missed any past podcasts, we've had some phenomenal guests lately. Jeff Van Gundy last week, Joe Buck two weeks ago, Jay Onright three weeks ago, Jamel Hill, all in the archives. So if you can subscribe, download, rate, review, it helps tremendously. Van Gundy was excellent last week, by the way, if you missed that one. All right, let's get to this week's SI Media Podcast with John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal. All right, joining me now for the second time, because I didn't hit the record button the first time, is... Sports Business Journal media reporter John O'Ran to cover some sports media news with me. John, how you doing? Jimmy, I just gave you my best stuff, man. Luckily, we only got one question in before I realized I'm a dope and didn't hit the record <laughs> button. <laughs> Halfway through. Uh, so as I said the first time around, and uh, now we actually have it here on tape or digitally, um, we, we, I want to talk to you about NFL TV rights because you wrote a great story about that this week. But... Uh, we're taping on Wednesday, and on Wednesday, the big sports media news of the day was that Super Agent Nick Khan left CAA to take a job with WWE as president and chief financial officer. 
Uh, can you tell us what that means exactly for WWE? I, you know, most people listening to this just see the TV product and that's what they care about, but be nice to get some insight into what this move means and, and um, how much of a coup this is for the WWE. Uh, well, for the, the WWE, they uh, let go of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. They were the uh, co-presidents and that happened at the end of January. And since then, every time that they've had a quarterly earnings call, uh, Vince McMahon has been bashed about declining TV ratings with the uh, with the coronavirus pandemic uh, that that we have going on right now. There have been no live events. I mean, the to to call the WWE business challenged is you know an, an understatement right now, uh, uh, certainly. Um, and so this is really a a pretty um, high profile. Uh, message that the WWE is sending to the market that they have replaced uh, George and Michelle with somebody who is uh, the, the ultimate uh, media industry insider. He's somebody that, you know, helped grow the talent representation business at uh, CAA um, just so significantly. And, and in fact, he, he also started to do a lot more in terms of uh, rights ne- uh, negotiations too. Uh, including with WWE, which is where, where they found them. And so to me, this is a real message to the market saying like, you know, it's almost like Vince saying, I'm listening to you. I'm bringing in somebody to help me uh, make this work. And in terms of though, WWE fans who are watching the TV product, and like you said, there's no fans right now. And who knows? I know um, SummerSlam, which was supposed to take place later this month, they've already canceled that, obviously. Um, do you know if this impacts what we see on TV at all in any way, shape or form. This is strictly a business type of thing where fans won't even know that Nick Khan is working for WWE. I think ultimately you, you'll see it um, uh, affect some of the storylines uh, that, that happened there. But I, I think this, the, the, uh, the people that the executives that come up with the storylines are, you know, obviously very close to Vince. It's a small family. It's a public company, but it's a small family run company. And so, the, you know, they, they have a way to get into Vince. Um, for, for obvious reasons, but if you if you listen to the earnings calls that WWE has been on, you know they they really think that look their, their TV ratings are, are doing particularly poorly right now um, in comparison to last year. Uh, the the uh, the TV product, you know, I, I know a lot of hardcore fans, and I'm not a huge fan, so I, I'm I'm just reading sort of analyst reports and, and and hearing from people in the in the business. So other people are more informed that, than I am, but the, you know the the storylines that uh, that everybody complains about, a lot of the people within the uh, WWE feel that those are storylines that that are really enhanced if you get a full crowd going, and they're just sort of waiting until you can get some sort of audience to to these to these shows. Uh, one thing that I can can say about that, irrespective of storylines, which I'm really not qualified to talk on, mm-hmm. but it's it, you know, if you take a look at um, w- one of the reasons why Fox, with baseball and with soccer, they're pumping in crowd noise because they view it as a t- they view uh, sports as a TV product and they want to make good television. And so with the WWE, if you're wrestling in a studio or you're wrestling in an empty arena it's wrestling in an empty arena. You know, it, it, it's not as cool. If there's a, an engaged crowd that's there, that's part of the t- TV broadcast and people within WWE and some analysts too feel like that's, that's the main reason why, uh, why ratings haven't rebounded in WWE like they have elsewhere. I, I can tell you, speaking from my own experience that um, I sort of go in waves with watching the WWE 
closely, but even if I'm not watching it closely, I always, you know, have Monday Night Raw on one of my televisions just to keep track and, you know, for work purposes. And I have to say, since the pandemic started and they've gone to no crowds, I, I, I can't watch it. I find it impossible to watch without the fans in the stands. So, um, I, and, I, and I, you know, you're talking about the ratings. Uh, obviously, that's been a huge uh, impact on them. Do you know how Fox, what they're feeling about their deal for SmackDown with WWE? Do they regret it? Are they happy with it? Do they blame the pandemic for the bad ratings? Where does Fox stand with their relationship with WWE? Uh, do they regret it? Not, not one bit. They, they, they love the, uh, the WWE. They, they, uh, I think they, they feel that they made too big of a bet on WWE in some ways because they had this studio show that, um, it seemed yep. to get pretty good, um, reviews, but, uh, just the, the, those good reviews did not uh, translate into good, uh, ratings or good viewership. And uh, they, they end up losing a lot of money on, on that or losing some money on that. But they, uh, Fox has made a bet. The Fox uh, network has made a bet more so than any of the other networks so far. And that's to, to bet on live programming. And, uh, the WWE is considered live programming and Fox, uh, expects that it's going to anchor its Friday night lineup for the foreseeable future. And so they're, 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 they're completely in bed with WWE and they're, they, they haven't been shaken by that at all. All right, let's switch gears now to the NFL. You had a great recap of the, um, networks uh, meeting with the NFL earlier this week and, and sort of the results of that. Um, they're not, I guess, in the hardcore negotiation state stage yet. Um, uh, the two biggest takeaways for me, uh, let's start with this. It sounds like, you know, Fox, from what you reported, they want to keep their Sunday afternoon package. They love the NFC and the markets that that brings. And, you know, Sunday at 425 for CBS and, and Fox have proven to be the money slots. Um, but they don't really, it doesn't seem like, I don't want to say care. Maybe that's not the right word, but Thursday night doesn't seem to be a priority for them, which I was surprised by because I thought it was doing very well for them. They did pay a lot of money for it. So what is the situation with the Thursday night package? Uh, They like Thursday night. Uh, I think they'd be happy to to keep Thursday night. Uh, I don't think that they will, you know, they will do, Fox will do whatever it takes to keep its NFC focused Sunday afternoon package. Uh, Fox will not do whatever it takes to keep Thursday night football. Um, and I, I, I think that's sort of the, dis- the distinction there. If they're able to renew Thursday night, they'll be happy with Thursday night. They think that it's a good way to sort of ease into the weekend uh, of NFL programming. But it is, uh, in, in terms of being a priority, Fox had a two-hour meeting with uh, with, with um, the NFL. It was Lachlan Murdoch type of level that, that was in there. And in that two-hour meeting – it was almost exclusively spent on Sunday afternoon. It was very little uh, of, of that meeting was spent on, on Thursday night. So which sort of tells you wh- wh- where the priorities are. Would another network jump in on Thursday night? Who, if, if Fox didn't, you know, try to keep it, who do you think would try the hardest to get that package? I think the most logical one to me is, uh, is ESPN. Um, I, I think ESPN really wants to get into the Super Bowl rotation they re- they have uh, they have a broadcast network that's sitting right there that they really want to try to um to to um th- th- to use for the NFL to help them get into the Super Bowl rotation and they would seem to be a real um uh, th- that would seem to be a, a logical uh, place for for ESPN 
outside of ESPN, you know, CBS had had it before and they, they passed on it when, when Fox got it, NBC had it before they passed on it and, and Fox got it. I mean, Thursday could be, um, the, the type of lineup where if we see a, one of the big tech companies finally come in and all they need to do is, is, is show a little bit of interest and, and they're in, they haven't shown that interest yet, which is what I reported in that story, but that doesn't mean that they're out for good. Uh, but that could be something where, you know, they, they, uh, put a, pretty poor schedule on Thursday nights and then package something for, uh, for tech just to try to get them, get, get them hooked on, uh, on NFL football. And what's going on with Monday night football? I think your report was that ESPN wants to sort of upgrade their package. You just mentioned the Thursday, but uh, I know Jim Miller has said many times recently that he wouldn't be shocked if Monday night football got off ESPN and went to ABC. Oh yeah, that's that, that's been what uh, ESPN's been been talking about for for a long time, uh, and, and that certainly is part of the discussions. But here's the deal with with with, uh, with the Thursday with Monday night is uh, for the longest time ESPN was the it got more money. It got I think it gets about nine dollars per subscriber uh, per month from all the cable operators, and so take nine dollars. Multiply it uh, by twelve per you know twelve months in a year, and then multiply it by eighty million, and that's a pretty handsome uh, number that's coming in. And so, the, one of the reasons that 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 license fee got to be so high was because they had the NFL, and and operators knew that they couldn't drop ESPN if it had the NFL. Well, now in twenty twenty, CBS and Fox and NBC all get, you know, uh, they're not quite comparable, but uh, and it's called retransmit consent fees, and they all get that as well. And so ESPN is uh, saying to the NFL, look, everybody's built their business off of you. We're tired of paying double what everybody else is paying to get what they call the quote unquote cable package, which is, you know, the, the worst of all the primetime packages or that the least competitive of all the primetime packages. So there's what they're, what they've said is, you know, they, they want, either a better schedule on Monday Night Football or for the $2 billion a year that it pays, which is, you know, a billion dollars more than than everybody else just about, you know, it just wants a better package, whatever that package may be. They didn't specify. Um, I, I, I wasn't able to figure out whether they were talking about trying to poach Sunday night from NBC, you know, and, and putting that over to ABC or whether they were interested in getting one of the uh, Sunday afternoon packages, which, uh, you know, might be a, a bit more of a struggle just because they've had a hard time figuring out a broadcast booth for one game, much less, you know, have four or five games on, on a Sunday. But um, you, th- those are all sort of options that are out there for ESPN right now. It's pretty amazing in this day and age of cord cutting and, um, you know, getting rid of television packages and, and going to streaming that there's a network that wants to take their game off of cable and put it on network television. Yeah, I mean, what 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 took them so long, right? right. What, what I find to be interesting about that is is that you know everybody I've been writing about this I think for a decade, Jimmy. Like, when is big tech coming in? When are we going to see Facebook or Google or or Amazon is is, is the latest one? And what we've seen is uh, the these established traditional media companies have set up their own big tech companies. ESPN has ESPN Plus that they stream. ESPN has, uh, excuse me, NBC has Peacock, which they stream. Uh, CBS has CBS All Access, which they stream. So they, they've almost sort of seen the, what what a potential competitor can come in and get, and they've they've launched something just to you know you want to get younger. They have the opportunity to get younger with with a streaming service. 
you um, took me where I was going next. Um, your report was all about the networks. Didn't hear much about streaming and Sunday Ticket. What, is there anything new there? Anything with Sunday Ticket with Directv having the exclusivity that um, we need to know about? Um, it's, it's still to be de determined. There's still a lot of negotiations happening. Um, AT&T right now uh, appears to be in, uh, in, in a big cost-cutting mode. Uh, the message that they've been giving to uh, the NFL is is that you know they uh, are, are most likely not going to step up at the same price point uh, for, for a Sunday ticket again. I know the Sunday ticket had an out. And AT and T allowed them to actually. Actually, I'm not sure if AT and T allowed them to take the out or the NFL took the out. But AT and T would not have been upset had the NFL found somebody else to take that package, and wow. nobody else stepped up for the kind of money that that uh, that Directv was uh, was paying. I, I keep saying AT and T because uh, obviously AT and T owns Directv. So, right. So that is something. Uh, could it go to an Amazon and and be it be something? Uh, um, that, that they offer a pay-per-view. Could it go to an ESPN Plus and be sort of part of a, a bigger deal over at ESPN? Uh, th those are all questions to, to be answered. One thing to keep in mind, though, is that all of the money that the broadcasters are paying for Sunday afternoon, that's all predicated on exclusivity. One of the reasons that they loved DirecTV having um, Sunday Ticket is because it, it was limited in terms of the number of people that could subscribe to it. If it all of a sudden gets to someplace like Amazon, which has 100 million um, Prime customers, you know, all, all of a sudden, it, it, you know, unless the price point is at a certain, they, they want it to be, they want it to be rare. They, they want to make sure that people are watching. Most of the people are watching on their broadcast network and watching their commercials, which is how they can then turn around and afford a, a lot of these rights. Interesting. I mean. <sighs> I, I, you know, my ultimate hope is that there's a television element of Sunday Ticket that's not DirecTV, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Like you said, ESP, uh, DirecTV, AT&T opted back in. So I guess, you know, I don't want to stream the games. I want to watch them on a television, but I, which I know you can, but I mean, you know, <laughs> traditionally. Get off my lawn, Jimmy. Get yeah, off it. Seriously. <laughs> it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, 
the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The other big story is, I mean, we first talked about wrestling and then we talked about the NFL. So we perfect segue into The Rock buying the XFL with some other people. Um, I mean, did he do this just because he got it for $15 million, which seems like nothing to buy a football league? I feel like you and I could find a couple of investors and come up with $15 million, uh, for it. Yeah, I, th- I think that the um, the, the, the price w- was really good. Remember, too, The Rock isn't the guy coming up with, with, with the $15 million. It's a Redbird Capital is a, the a private equity group that, that he's working with, and, and that's where this is all, this is all happening. Um, I think that, you know, so, so there, there have been uh, so many failures in terms of spring football. I mean, you look at the, the Alliance of American Football, you look at the XFL uh, 1.0 and 2.0, but people in, in television and people in sports all take a look at, I mean, look at the XFL, even the, a, the uh, Alliance, the crowds uh, came, the TV ratings, you know, while not NFL worthy or college football worthy were pretty, pretty good. They were okay. Um, I, I think people think that there is a space for spring football, especially if they're able to do something to where they can uh, sort of align with, with, with the NFL. Um, and, and so it's a, it, it's a pretty good bet um, to, to see also like if, I don't know what's going to happen in, in the spring, but if they're able to do it, I think just like eight teams, you know, you, you can put them in a bubble. Like you can't put you know thirty teams or thirty-two NFL teams in a bubble. So, who knows if if they're going to be able to come out with something and and people will be starved with football. I, they're, they're once again, they're nothing but big questions due to the coronavirus. But it's a it, it's a pretty good, safe, easy bet, I think, for uh, Redbird Capital and The Rock. You know, he put out some things on social media, but I mean, is he expected to be involved in this in a significant way? He says he is. I, I, I take him at his word. I don't. Th- uh, I, I haven't covered The Rock uh, a ton, um, but I, I, from everything that I've read, when he invests in something, he is uh, active in, in in his investments. He's not a mm-hmm. passive investor. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, running a football league, you know, if he's still doing movies and entertainment and all that stuff, I mean. Well, remember, this is also a football league that Vince McMahon uh, launched. They have a whole, they, they had a whole like three, four year plan. They have Jeffrey Pollack, who is the president that's that's really running the day to day and and overseeing it. Um, and he's still he's still around and available. Um, what surprised me was the uh, the the Rock and Redbird were the only the Rock and Redbird. What are we talking about here? But the the, the Rock and uh, Redbird Capital were really the only, that was the only significant bidder uh, that came out for fifteen million. I would have easily thought some. I could see Disney saying we you know just like the X Games we want to own our own league. Or right. NBC saying something like that, especially for something like fifteen million dollars, which doesn't sound like a, a, a lot in those terms. I mean, they, they but it's a, uh, you know, the the fact that those were the only ones to to really bid on it was uh, I found to be surprising. Um, you know, MLB has come back, uh, the NBA has come back, the NHL has come back. Before then, you had golf, you had some soccer going on, NASCAR, I believe. I, you know, I hate to use the word benefit here because it's just not the right word to use, but I can't think of a better word, so I'm going to use it, but I think you'll know what I mean. But is there a, is there a, which sport has benefited the most from um, the pan, not having sports for a few months there and then returning? Is there a sport that ratings, uh, interest, stuff like that, um, what sport has surprised you in terms of uh, numbers? from their return. Yeah. Have you seen the PGA tour numbers? Yeah. Uh, they, they started high and they've remained high compared to, to what, what they used to be. It's uh, it, it's been really eye opening uh, for me. Uh, I, I think that, that they're, they're certainly a, uh, a, a big win. And I think that um, uh, it's too early uh, just because the NBA just launched and the NHL just launched, but I, I just want to take my hat off to the, the NHL. I think that their, their plan with two bubbles, uh, and, and speaking for, solely from a media uh, point of view, uh, they're watching their their games on NBC Sports Network, and I'm in DC, so I watch the Caps on uh, NBC Sports Washington. They uh, it it looks like a regular N- NHL game. I mean, one of the complaints that we hear about the NBA is that it looks like summer league or it feels like summer. That's not the case to me at all with the NHL. And I think that they're doing a particularly good job with their productions uh, on the NHL. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, Jimmy. I mean, what of all the sports that have come back with no fans, they all look strange. Uh, what to you is doing, who's doing the best job with it? Well, I think, you know, I, the NBA, I think, you know, you said it looks like summer league. I, I don't disagree. It looks obviously completely different from a regular game, but I like the way it looks. I, I think there's an interesting feel there. Um, I hate what baseball has done with virtual fans, cardboard cutouts. I think they're blowing such a, an opportunity here to just mic up the players, give us the natural sounds of the game. Um, you yeah, know, I don't know if you're a hardcore fan when it comes to baseball. I, the, the, I think that the, the uh, pumped, in, pumped in crowd noise and, and, uh, and I, I, the jury's still out on the virtual fans, but the pumped in crowd noise, I, I think the casual fan is, is much more attracted to well, that well, see, that's, I disagree from this standpoint. If you're a casual fan and not a diehard who's watching all the games of your team, um, you flip in the channels, there's a game on Fox or ESPN. I think you're more tempted to stay with it if they're giving you mic'd up players and what they're saying than fake crowd noise. 
I, I would disagree in, in, in the sense uh, I'm, I'm a pretty hardcore fan too, although my team is not nearly as, as good as yours is this year, the, the Orioles. But uh, when, when I'm when I'm watching, I'm doing I'm not watching every pitch. I'm, I'm doing something else. And so like I, I need the auditory cues from a crowd to say like, oh, this is I should look up because something something is happening right now. Uh, and, and so it's a I, I, I would think that there, there are more casual fans that watch it that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I to me, I've said this a million times. I'm a broken record, but sports <laughs> is the ultimate reality show. I prefer keeping it real than making it fake. So that's just me. Yeah. Um, and I guess though, I mean, the piped-in crowd noise. If I'm not mistaken, the stadiums themselves though are, are piping in noise. So I think in some cases you're just getting what the stadium has there. I mean, I, I was listening to one of the Yankee Nationals games on the radio. And, you know, after a play, like I think Linda Ronstead and hit me with your best starts, hit me with your best shot started blaring. I don't think that's the radio. I think that's what's in the stadium, too. So I get why the stadium. I mean, the players probably in the stadium want the music and the noise and the sound effects. I don't think TV needs to add to it. I don't want to show my age, but Pat Benatar has hit me with your best shot, not Linda Ronstead. Oh, what did I? I said Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew that. That's just a Freudian <laughs> slip. That's weird. I don't know why I said Linda Ronstadt. That is bizarre. But yes, it is Pat Benatar. That's an embarrassing mistake. <laughs> I don't know why, but it wasn't a mistake. Why did I say that? Now I'm going to analyze that. Um, My high school years are coming back to me, Jimmy. Yeah, um, it's a great song. Um, I want to sh- shift gears for a second to, to podcasts because early on in the pandemic, I know most podcasts were struggling. Um, without people commuting to work, obviously, and without people going to gyms. I don't know how much the industry has bounced back, not bounced back. Um, you could hit decline on that if you want. Yeah. I hear it ringing. Sorry about that. That's okay. It's quite okay. This is what happens when you tape from home and there's a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but I noticed like Spotify really seems to just be ramping everything up. Um, and the ringer, I guess, they, they added... Um, podcast from Kyle Brandt. The, there's a podcast with CC Sabathian, Ryan Rucco that they just added. I think there's more announcements coming. JJ Reddick just started a podcast. So w- where does the podcast game stand right now in terms of um, interest from companies? The, um, the thing about sports podcasts, and like we, we have sports business journal. We, I think we have like four or five <laughs> or, or, or so um, the, the ringer and Spotify are, are seemingly launching a new one every two weeks. Uh, ESPN, uh, you know, has what they call ESPN audio. And they're, 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 there's such a flood of podcasts right now that are out there. And the, 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 I think one of the strategies, like ESPN strategy is I don't think they expect a ton of listeners per podcast, but if you take all of the podcasts and add them up, and you're not hiring a podcast host just to do podcasts, you, you know, that, that, that's somebody that's going to be doing some, you know, like a lot of other things. So you can take that expense, you know, that salary expense and, and put it across so many different things. But if you come to ad, advertisers with the whole suite of podcasts and say like, you know, add it up, you know, we, you have how many ever downloads, you know, that, 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 that's what it is. I think one of the things that, you know, uh, Bill Simmons got in trouble for this on, on the, um, in the, uh, I think it was a New York times 
um, story that, that that he talked about. But you know, he has he has the actual the numbers from the Ringer, and you know, when Bill Simmons hosts the podcast, you get a lot more listeners, and then everything else sort of is is adjunct to that and, and builds up off that. But like they, there there are. I think there are a couple of different podcast stars, and those are the ones that are going to that, that are going to start to come out. Um, I, I've done a couple stories. I, like there, there are a couple of uh, outfits out there that are trying to launch local podcasts. You know, trying to take over for for local radio, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's their their whole thing. Is like we, if they come to market with a suite of ten podcasts, you know, that's how they can go to market. But if they're gonna to go to market with, you know, just one local person, it's not they're not gonna get nearly enough downloads for it. So it's a completely different way of looking at a market than than uh than I think, you know, uh, uh sports certainly sports television or sports radio is used to. And and the last thing I wanted to touch upon is hey, Jim, um, how are your numbers on uh that during the uh during the pandemic or people they went down and then the last month they went up a nice amount. So do you know why? I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, do you know, and, why you know listen, the way? bottom line is without commuting and, and people, you know, being on the move and the gym and all that stuff, it, it's, it's tough. You know, a lot of, most people listened on their commute. Mm-hmm. Do you have any have idea that. why they went up in the last month? Uh, I don't know. I mean, may, I think some people went back, you know, started going back to work. We started, you know, I know here in New York, we started to open up last month. So I think that's probably the reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the last thing I wanted to touch upon with you is, you know, before Corona and, you know, for, I don't know, maybe a year there, one of the big themes with sports business and sports media was gambling because it was sort of opening up around the country in a lot of states Networks were embracing it. Sports were embracing it. I, I still don't feel like it's, I, you know, I know ESPN has a show and I know, you know, a lot of companies, there's so many gambling podcasts now and, um, you know, they have the Action Network, for instance, but I still feel like it's still not this mega thing it was supposed to turn into. I feel like there's still, it's still sort of like a side item. Like, you know, you go to the restaurant and you have like the meat and potatoes and it's like, and then there's like a little side vegetable there. Like, I still feel like it, there's a lot of room for growth or is it not going to grow? And this is what it is. Uh, You're a gambler, right? Yes. So, so you're, you're predisposed to, to, to doing this. The gamblers, uh, I'm not a gambler. But the, the gamblers that that I'm friends with, they still want to use their their bookies because they don't they, they still want to gamble illegally because they don't want to have to pay taxes on like, <laughs> winnings. Or I mean, is that what you're finding as well? Well, I mean, I just I've always used an offshore site, and there's no reason for me to change. So, you know, I, I never bothered to change, and it's not legal here in New York. So, you know, the big attraction, I guess, with the states legalizing gambling is everyone's doing on apps and on phones, but you have to be in certain States for that. It's still not in all 50 States. Um, but I, you know, I, I think networks and websites and companies thought they'd be able to capitalize on a lot of gambling programming. And I haven't seen it. Yeah. I, I, I'm even before the pandemic, I, I was uh, very bearish on, on, on gambling. I think the gambling uh, is something that will be a, a nice revenue stream. Uh, I think that for um, for teams and for uh, media networks, it's going to be huge in terms of sponsorship dollars, especially early on. Um, but uh, I, I don't. 
you know, people were th- thinking that this is going to be, you know, like, like you said, sort of the next big thing. I never saw it as anything that's going to be bigger than, say, you know, esports. And that's not to denigrate gambling. I think esports e- is, is pretty good or action sports. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, it, I don't think it's going to be, be ubiquitous. I, you know, that uh, I, I do question uh, some of these ideas of uh, here in DC, they're opening up a sports book by uh, Capital One Arena. You know, and the idea is that I'll, I'll go with my family to to the sports book and have a dinner and go and put a, a, a bet on the game and, and then walk in. And to, to me, gambling is still, a, you know, it's still a vice. The idea that I'll be there with my little kids and <laughs> and uh, I, I may yeah. well have a couple shots at the bar before heading in, too. It, it's just, a, you know, I, I don't see it as being if it gets mainstream, it, it'll take a very long time for, for it to get mainstream. I, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. And, and that's an industry, obviously, that was just, I mean, you couldn't take a bigger blow with the pandemic. You know, Vegas oh, shut yeah, down, yeah. the city shut down. There's nothing to gamble on in terms of all these websites, whether it's DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever. So, so as, a, as a pessimist uh, before the pandemic, I really am now because they have had nothing to bet on. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some good info there. And anytime you hear anything about, NFL streaming and Sunday ticket not being exclusive to TV. Please let us all know. That's what we're all waiting for more than anything. Right, that's got to be we, my next story. Count on it. Yeah, we we just we need to not have DirecTV in our lives, and we need to be able to watch Sunday <laughs> afternoon games somewhere else, anywhere else. Fans don't want DirecTV. The, the, the DirecTV doesn't want Sunday Ticket. I, I mean, I, I think I don't know where this is going to ha- end, but uh, the, yeah, we, we need we need something to happen first. Well, hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> All right, John. Thanks for coming on. Stay safe. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, man. Bye. Okay, take care. All right, my thanks to John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal covered a lot of news there if you missed any recent episodes of the si media podcast please go into the archives and subscribe rate review jeff van gundy was on last week he was great joe buck two weeks ago jay on three weeks ago so uh, if you missed any of those check them out and uh, please again if you're not a subscriber hit that subscribe button all right that wraps up this edition we will see you next week take care At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.